Welcome to Focused Fire Chat. Explore together. Welcome back for episode 95 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on August 4th, 2017 on Twitch.tv. Big shout out to the live chat here. Thank you so much for spending your evening with us. This is your host, Blue Crew 86 Alongside me, we have the man who has been said to have the voice of a flower, Justin, or Fred, what is your name this week? My name this week is Fred Orbit. And you should get off my lawn. <laughs> yes how's your tech working out over there my tech is doing great um per the instructions of my tech wizard pins halo i haven't touched anything since (laughs) (laughs) sit on your hands you have to sit on your hands exactly (laughs) don't touch anything and then literally while he's saying that i shiny and he said no (laughs) it's the caboose button 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 (laughs) push oh man all right well be sure to let mel know we miss her over on twitter at the wind of the stars life has been proving to be pretty hectic for her lately and we want to show her support as she's getting everything sorted out and from the depths of the madness inducing mind maps we are joined by our favorite gutner the one and only dead orbit music lover green i hope you're doing well i hear you're getting ready for a a, a large geographical change over there yeah I've been doing a lot of painting. I spent all afternoon painting end tables and chairs and things because instead of buying new things, we're just pretending that we're we're buying new things by painting old things. And it's working out. It's just a lot of work. Mm-hmm. You have dead orbit but, stools. so Yeah. Some gray and white. A lot yeah. of gray in this. I have gray and purple and gray and white and gray and blue and all the gray and things kind of a gray gray week it's it's not black and white it's it's a shade of gray yes and not before that kind we, of shade yeah it's just how, how many no, shades no, no 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 we're gonna go through the intro and then we're gonna start the chat the topic of today's chat is going to be a look at the lore of dead orbit I stole the summary from green again this week so forgive me again if I don't do it the normal justice There are those in the city who look beyond, beyond the walls, beyond the earth, beyond even the traveler and the supposed salvation that it offers humanity. They see another future among the light of other stars. They see the traveler and earth itself as nothing more than celestial bodies caught in a dead orbit, a name which appropriately they have taken for their own. Their theology has evolved, moving past the fatalistic paradigm and into an obsession with worlds beyond Earth, focusing on construction of a fleet of ships which will prove capable of travel amongst the stars within which they believe our salvation truly lies. Dead Orbit seeks to rise from the ashes of our past, using the spoils of war and the technology long forgotten to forge forward and to escape the trap that, in their eyes, Earth has become. There is no room for sentiment in the world that Dead Orbit exists in, a world that is only existing because of an alien miracle, a miracle that in the eyes of Dead Orbit cannot be expected to occur again. 
This expectation is what drives the faction to push for humanity to be scattered across the stars, to become so far-flung that no single threat could possibly hope to destroy it all. This goal, the ultimate goal for human survival, justifies any sacrifice in the eyes of the Aurochs of Dead Orbit. Though the sacrifices they make are not just for themselves, but for all humanity. The thought of the city's children's eyes when the darkness comes drives them as much as the ghost of the dead future which Earth offers those who are foolish enough to stay. Before we get into that, however, I do have a few housekeeping notes. In our last chat, we took a look at Defenders. If you missed that and have any interest in hearing our thoughts, please be sure to check out the new www.focusfirechat.com for archives of all previous chats, links to the other aspects of Focus Fire Chat out in the internet, and a growing collection of community articles. If you don't mind, please give us some feedback on iTunes to let us know how we're doing, as well as to help us continue to grow. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Every Friday, at around 10pm Central, we get together to stream a recap of the previous week's chats for those who are unable to participate. Please be sure to also give some support to the other podcasts in the Guardian Radio Network, found at theguardiansofdestiny.com. These include Guardian Radio, the first and longest-running Destiny podcast on the net, Guardian One, Ghost and Echoes, which also has the Destiny audio grimoire, and the network's newest edition, a non-Destiny-focused podcast, Paragon Radio. Our next chat will be a look at the lore of the infamous Ticklefingers, the Stormcaller Warlock. With that being said, let's go ahead and dive into the information and thoughts that the community had about Dead Orbit. Lorebot, let's go. Query Grimoire Database Results found Displaying on screen Thank you, Randy. Just give it up for Randy and all that he does. Um, I think, you know, when we're talking about Dead Orbit, um, we're going to have you know, less grimoire cards than if we were talking about a more, you know, established storyline within Destiny Lord. But we have some some very cool tidbits here. And I think the best place to start is the actual grimoire card for Dead Orbit. Um, and it goes, it has a quote to begin it. The traveler is not our only salvation. Another future lies out among the light of, our, of other stars. Dead Orbit's theology is developed from mere fatalism into an obsession with worlds beyond Earth. Now their focus is on the building of a star-faring fleet, cobbled together from the ashes of our past and the spoils of war. So yeah, Dead Orbit, um, they um, quickly, rather quickly, shifted the focus from repelling the darkness and making safe this last stronghold, um, which was the last city and, and you know, um, all of the, the strongholds of the light. And they said, no, we shouldn't do that. We should make a fleet that could scatter us mm-hmm. and make us harder to exterminate. Um, and, you know, 
in light of recent events, it's hard to find fault with that. <laughs> I I swear I, I had a I had a comment about that. I was like, you know, I swear if one of the dead orbit Iraqs doesn't just kind of like mutter like I told you so. Hey, I told you so. <laughs> it's like Yeah. And, and I, I think we need a different one. Yeah, no, and I think we'll get we'll get to that too here in shortly. I know that was one of the one of the concepts that we really wanted to touch on was the the rocks and kind of what they what they do within the dead orbit. So just just to clear just just to clear the air, I'm I'm a dead orbit fan. Justin is not. Uh, I would say I'm not. I actually at the moment I have one of each class and one of each faction, but my favorite is Future War Cult. But continue. And then uh, green is a commie, right? I'm not Ooh. a commie. I merely like red and white. Honorable <laughs> executor. And he looks like triple Triple wreck. <laughs> oh my gosh, he does. So yeah. so uh, just just for the record, we might not have the dis- the uh, dispersed class presence on this podcast, but we do have an even distribution of factions <laughs> so um no and i i think like the thing that really calls out or really like catches my eye with the the dead orbit card and and you know i agree justin dead actually all the factions really have really limited um really limited grimoire you know information there's there's quite a bit of information that you can kind of glean from their weapons, uh, especially the names. Like the the names of the weapons are very very telling. The ships are very telling. The names of the ships, and then also the shaders. Uh, Dead Orbit has some really cool shaders as far as naming conventions go. But the big the big thing that actually stood out for me in this card, and Green and I kind of talked about this a little bit, was um, the actual the the identification of. Not it, not their ideology. No, it's their theology, um, and that that to me is a really big distinction because a theology is is a form of ideology. Uh, it's it's a so an ideology. Just to kind of back up real quick, an ideology. When we say ideology, that's usually the system of of ideas or ideals, uh, especially one that forms the basis of economic or political theory or policy. So it's it's a very general term. Theology is basically an ideology, but it's religious beliefs and theory when systematically developed. And the other thing that theology is, it's a critical study of the divine, the nature of the divine. So, and I want to focus in on that a little bit further and actually focus in on the fact that it's a critical study, uh, which is, which is something that most, most, um, theologies actually encourage is critical examination of their tenets critical examination of their teachings and everything of that nature that it because by being critical and being constructively critical of those things they are actually able to grow now the other thing that it talks about is developing from mere fatalism into an obsession with worlds so fatalism is basically fatalism is the belief that all events are predetermined and therefore are inevitable Okay, so that means that there is a set fate. There is, and which kind of comes from the fatal, fatal fate. Um, 
And so they actually have developed from a mere fatalism. And we'll, we'll kind of get into this when we start talking about um, Jalal a little bit. But they are also noted as being nihilistic or nihilistic. And that is actually nihilism is the rejection of all religious and moral principles, often in the belief that life is meaningless. This is applied in philosophy, usually with extreme skepticism that maintains that nothing in the world has a real existence. Uh, and so that's why when you when you talk about someone who has a nihilistic fatalism, that's a very usually a very negative person. Uh, because basically what they're saying is that life has no meaning because there is no way to escape the fatal the, the fatal end. Um so that that's kind of where, you know, the intro to Dead Orbit is. They kind of see, they see, and I mentioned this in the summary as well, they see the Traveler and Earth as being two things that are in what's called a dead orbit. That is an actual term. It's also known as a graveyard orbit. And there is a degree in which they have a quote, actually, that says, you know, the only reason that they, that humanity survived the collapse was because of an alien miracle. It was because of an external source that actually came in and interjected the destruction of humanity and actually saved us. And their entire argument is, is that they can't, you, you should not count on that happening again. If you count on that happening again, that is going to set you up for disappointment because a miracle by nature is something that defies logic. You don't you can't predict it. That being said, they view the the traveler as being something that's stuck in a dead orbit. A dead orbit is something that is generally so when it's easily explained by a satellite, right? When we have a satellite that is um, that is done. Right. There's nothing there's nothing left for it to do uh, because satellites eventually they always run down. Uh, Once the satellite reaches a a certain threshold of usability, basically, the the design is usually either if it's if it's a I'm trying to remember the ratio or the uh, the plan. It's a 25 year plan. And basically what they use is they determine if they can crash the satellite back into the planet in a way that there is a one in 10,000 chance or less um, chance that someone will not get hurt or will that someone will not get hurt, then they will bring it back into the atmosphere and they'll actually, they will actually calculate it to reenter the atmosphere. And usually they, they shoot it towards what's called, I think, I think it's the, Oh, the satellite graveyard, which is a location in the Pacific, which is a little, it's a basically a very small area that is the furthest point from any civilized area. Uh, and so they try to, they try to hit it in that. If, however, it, it is either too large or it exceeds that chance that someone will get hurt with it, they actually send it further up. They actually send it further away. So usually a satellite is what's in what's usually called a synchronous synchronized orbit. So that generally what happened, what happens is when Earth and Earth being the primary example here, when Earth is rotating, the satellite will generally stay within the same area of the Earth. So it's rotating at the same speed. When you shoot it into a, a graveyard orbit, it's actually going to it's a super synchronism, which means that it's actually going further away and it's not going to be synchronized with the Earth because it doesn't matter. It's a dead orbit. It does. There's no point in it. Um, so that's that's where that they actually took that name because it's a dead celestial body. 
but I, I'm, I'm hogging yeah. the mic and I know Fred over here has. Yeah, it's, it's, um, I don't know the word for it, but it's the opposite of a decaying or a decaying it's, it's, orbit would be, yeah, would be one that, that slowly. Yeah, there you go. That's, that's what it should be called. A decaying orbit would slowly get closer to that thing that it is orbiting. The super secret, super synchronous orbit gets farther and farther away until it gets slung out of that body's gravity. And, um, you know, um, it's, becomes it's the difference dead. between losing speed to be able to maintain an orbit versus mm-hmm. having that speed and continuing that speed so quickly that you can actually pull yourself out of orbit. So, yeah, and, and just to be clear, a super synchronized orbit, it is still in orbit. It's just a, a orbit that is, it's, this starts getting into like astrophysics and like after astrophysics and stuff that I'm not really, I am not well versed in. Um, it's, it's a difference between the synchronized orbit that a normal satellite would take and it's not a it's not a subsynchronous because a subsynchronous orbit would be a decaying orbit. So it's a supersynchronous orbit, which mm-hmm. basically pushes it further out. So that basically yeah. the the logic here is that it gets it out of the way of um, the orbit, the high traffic orbit paths, so that other satellites mm-hmm. don't hit it. Is pretty much the I think the logic of the graveyard orbit. So. I actually have a different take on the on the on the dead orbit name. Okay. If you look at the if you let the look at the insignia for dead mm-hmm. orbit, um, what do the proportions of that aside from the skull, which you know none of us realized was a skull until I don't know, I don't know Luke, who was it from Luke Bungie Timmons. or uh, yeah Luke yeah. Timmons posted. I think no, you know this is was, a profile. Who was or it? Was it, uh, no, was it uh, Barrett? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, it was it was Barrett. Yeah. Okay. Uh, What's his first name? Sean. I just went blank. Chris. I can't remember. Chris Barrett. Yeah, Chris Barrett posted that that's actually the dead orbit insignia is actually a profile of a skull. Right. Which once you you know once you hear that it becomes a skull to you. But if you look at the proportions of the overall insignia with the circle, the skull in the middle, and then the smaller circle on the outside. What do the proportions seem to you in terms of size? The the large circle. Oh yeah, the, it's it's Earth and the traveler. The, the Earth and then the traveler. Now, if if you if you want to go super literal with the name, there's there's a skull right over where the Earth would be, right? Right. And it I think it ties in with their whole ideology in the fact that if you allow us to to rely on this celestial body in this dead orbit, you know, just sitting here. That's what we're all going to be. We're all going to be dead. Is is I think it's it's just like a skull and crossbones over the earth. Mm-hmm. If we if we all sit here and rely on this dead ball in the sky, we're going to die. Yeah, is, is how I look at it. Well, I think that's definitely a, another attribute that Bungie has been very, very good with their symbols. Mm-hmm, They've done mm-hmm. a great job of designing things that have multiple layers of meaning. Not only the fact that literally a dead orbit is an orbit that is going to 
what Jay said, what Blue said, it's also the fact that maybe we're dead where we're sitting because we're on Earth still and the Traveler is not really doing much anymore except for giving us a little bit of light boost. It's, I mean, there's so many different layers. Yeah, and they even so, call the Traveler so out layers. for that because they mm-hmm. say that the darkness is the darkness is gathering, the darkness is coming to us, and the Traveler is sitting there silent. You know, and they, I mean, they they are pretty blunt about their lack of faith in the Traveler getting involved, which you know, and that's kind of what appeals to me as my like just from a personal level is it they they kind of have the approach of plan for the worst and there's there's but there's the unspoken other part of that statement plan for the worst hope for the best but not well okay that's part of their thing but if you pull up the last array the card the last array mm-hmm. you get the card says the terrestrial array was dead orbits hope to reconnect to the lost colonies of our inner system you yes, they want to be able to get off and get away from the traveler, get off the earth, get away from the traveler, get away from the earth. So we're not a sitting duck or not a target because a giant orb in the sky is kind of hard to miss, but <laughs> they have the hope of reconnecting with a lot of the lost ships, a lot of the lost colonies that might still be out there. Right. They are not just bailing on the travel. Oh yeah. They're no, also yeah. reclaiming they're Humanity. reclaiming things. Mm-hmm. Well, and and that's the thing is, you know, they and and there's a degree to which all the factions kind of have this this similar thing. And the other the other important thing to remember with these factions is that these are not factions of guardians. These are factions of humans, of civilians, of humans, awokens, exos that are not risen. They are they're, you know, mortal people. Um, they, they use the guardians as, you know, muscle, but they are not designed. They were not designed initially for, they don't plan on, you know, appeasing to the guardians way of life. This is, this is actually for civilians to, to be, you know, survive. And, you know, that makes a lot of sense because if you, if you really sit down and think about it, guardians really aren't humans anymore you know they're not mortal anymore they are kind of their own kind of species right and that that is when i when i look at the different factions you know there's there's a degree of that that really shines with each one of them dead orbit you know i was trying i was trying to find out or i was trying to figure out there's a it's it's a it's a conversation in psychology about the complexities of the fight or flight uh, response mechanism, right? Uh, there, the, a lot of people, when you talk about fight or flight, it's usually a lot of people think of it as a binary system. It really isn't. It's a very complex uh, survivalistic evolutionary concept because the thing is, is any animal will always, you always have degrees, right? There's, there's never a, and this is kind of another thing green and I were talking about it before. It's, you know, the color scheme of dead orbit is black and white. Uh, things are very black and white, well, but they're not because there's always a shade of gray. Um, and you kind of do see that in you see that in the even their color scheme as well. There is gray in their color scheme. But my point there is that each of the factions kind of aligns with a different aspect of the fight or flight response. 
Uh, you have the fight, which is the rainbow squad, right? You know, that's pretty obvious. They, they turn around oh, and they, yeah. I mean, right. I mean, they, that's what they do. They, they turn around and they fight. They see the inevitability of war no matter where you Without go. It. It, right. And see, the thing is, is that dead orbit doesn't necessarily disagree with them. The, the one response that they have about the war cult is that they offer despair <laughs> because in dead orbit's eyes, you know, and, and this is another thing that I really agree with. In Dead Orbit's eyes, the future war cult has a point. They do. They have a point. But it's there's more there's more to worry about than just fighting. Because psychologically, people cannot be at constant war. What happens mm-hmm. I mean, you look at any of the men and women who have served through a, a you know a war, it's it's a very, very detrimental effect psychologically on the population. And that's where they kind of their response to the future war cult is you're offering nothing but despair to your followers. Now, you know, you do with what you will there. And then they turn to new monarchy, new monarchy, they say, offers false hope because their entire problem with new monarchy is that, you know, they they have this this um, this thing with putting up a king or queen and monarch to lead. Dead Orbit's like, okay, but if the Traveler can't stand up to the darkness, what makes you think that a king or queen could? Because you're going to stand here and die. It's definitely a matter of perspective with all the different factions. Because Future War Cult is not just the offering of the idea of war forever. And and that's true. A new monarchy is not just the concept of having a monarch. It's the, and this is something we talked about in chat that this last week is the fact that new monarchy has the taking care of the people. Right. The seven, seven tenants, I believe. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is. If you're going to oversimplify, you can say new monarchy espouses the centralized organizational method of saving humanity um dead orbit espouses the decentralized organizational method of saving humanity and future war cult are space vikings like (laughs) i was really proud of you for all of that until the very end because now i'm no 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 blue your people are perpetual refugees my people are space Vikings. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Okay. Where are you gonna go with Tell that? me right now that you don't want to watch a movie called Space where you, Vikings. Where are you taking that one, Green? <laughs> I just don't know where to take it. I don't understand why they're space Vikings. You know why he's laughing? Because he but behind all the silliness, there's a little bit of truth. To there that. is. There's a little bit of truth. The funny thing, too, about that is, though, uh, the historical reference of Vikings or the sea people, they were wandering. They were wanderers. Oh, oh yeah. I'm, I'm just talking about the like the religious beliefs. <laughs> the, the religi- of, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, uh, the over obsession. Okay. Like with war. The, yeah. With like heaven is just us killing each other all the time for the rest of time. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. That makes oh my a lot God. more sense. That mental. Now I'm following. Space Viking. Now, now you know what the the device is 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 a uh, it's a holographic chamber which shows them Valhalla. 
Oh, and man. Lakshmi is the old father. Oh Good God! Friend. No, no, she has both eyes. She has both eyes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. But um, silence, frost giant. Um, <laughs> so, and and green. I know you kind of pulled in like the last array, uh, the actual quote from the last array. Do you want to read mm-hmm. that one? Because I think that kind of ties into what you were saying. Yeah, dead orbit has a pretty simple philosophy. We're all doomed. According to them, getting out of the system is the only way to survive. No surprise they'd want to find a way to connect with Rasputin and the Colonial Arrays. Ghost. Yeah, I mean, like Justin said, it's an oversimplification. But from first glance, that is exactly what Dead Orbit has. It's like, okay, if we sit in one spot, we're sitting ducks we don't sit in one spot and we spread out at least some of us will make it yeah and and the other thing so so in line with that the other thing that i kind of want to point out too with with regards to what is dead orbit is the fact that dead orbit actually has arguably some of the best technicians and um and engineers in the last city which makes sense given yes. they're up. Obs- well, but it makes you sense. Found one card. You found one. Oh card no, no. Every single, that. every single, every single weapon of theirs says that it's um, due to their superb technicians. Like that's that's the flavor text on the majority of their weapons. Uh, the the majority of the different factions, like all the flavor text on weapons, is generally about the same. The names are not obviously, but the flavor text for all the weapons, it's not very. It, it's basically copy paste on all the weapons. Um, so yeah, Deviant Gravity A was the weapon card that I pulled, but it does say it does refer to Dead Orbit as having the superb technicians, which ties into the idea that Dead Orbit is focused on building a fleet. Right? They're they're com- they're completely obsessed with building this this ship fair or spacefaring fleet to escape. So, of course, they would have technicians that knew what they were doing more so than, you know, the faction that's trying to build law and justice, you know, which is the new monarchy. Um, and you also see the factions of, you know, future war cult who will probably be more specialized in actual building weapons than any of the other factions. So it kind of gravitates towards those different strengths of the different factions as well as their interests. And that kind okay. of... Right. I mean, does that make sense? It it does. It's just it. I think it's reading into it a little bit because each faction's types of um, armor or not armor, but the the weapon lines, each faction's kind of reflects the tenets or reflects their own philosophy. And I get what you're saying that saying that they would have. Right. But so like the the, so like, for example, the Vanquisher eight. Right. The Vanquisher 8, which is a new monarchy, uh, what is that, a assault rifle, it says, Executor issued auto rifle for loyal supporters of the new monarchy. Mm-hmm. Um, Whereas, like, Future War Cult, like the Fulcrum says, a personal firearm augmented, named, and sanctified by the leaders of Future War Cult. Right. It's it's a reflection on the the type of structure that they have, I think, more than necessarily that they have the best ones. Oh, you will. And I, I wasn't saying that they have the best. I said, I, I, I kind of think that they have some of 
the better like the in in grades of what they're looking for when they get faction you know faithful faction followers they're going to focus more on technicians and specialists whereas mm-hmm. a new monarchy the new monarchy is going to be you know like what uh, you guys were saying earlier new monarchy is going to be more along the lines of uh the the um factory workers uh which was uh, what was it the um, what was hideo he was uh he was part of the well, he wasn't part of the foundries it was it was a found it wasn't a weapon foundry but it was a, a mm-hmm. uh, textile was it yes textile? yeah yeah it was uh, a textile plant yeah, and so like, but I mean, like that was his thing. Was he was all in uh, economics and you know politics and stuff like that. That's new monarchy. Whereas you know, uh, future war cult is all warriors, uh, time travelers, a stranger. Um, you know those type of things. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean that that's what I kind of was. That's what I was kind of going for. Is like Dead Orbit is going to focus more on that that. technical and specialized uh engineers and mechanics and that particular aspect for people whereas new monarchy is going to go with the you know the police force the you know that dead orbit also supplies future uh the sorry the forces of the city they supply a lot of their technology to them as well uh so there's their uh i know justin you wanted to weigh in on that one no actually to to go with that same uh type of vein um black flag and chat has it really the the city being destroyed might be the best thing to happen for all the factions it, it's going to provide focus for them all or it's not not necessarily focus but i think it'll refocus them because they all already had their own agenda. yeah but i think it'll drive home why they held those beliefs to begin with because i mm-hmm. think it's easy to sit up in that tower and and feel very abstractly about things, you know, and, mm-hmm. and be removed from them. But once your home is destroyed, now you now you're refocused and your drive is renewed. Yeah, and I, I would argue that of all the factions of well, of all the great factions, the three major factions, um, I would actually argue that New Monarchy are really the ones that probably had at the time of destiny, not destiny two, but in the time of destiny, they were probably more attached to what was going on in the city. And Libby is actually pointing that in the chat. Um, the new monarchy faction is often attributed to being the police force. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, they had the instance of Concordat. They were responsible for putting down the Concordat. Uh, there's a reference within dead orbit about how they, they circumvent the, the, the forces of the new monarchy legal structure to get stuff to build shifts like they they will go around the legal system of the new monarchy to get parts for their ships um so you kind of get this idea that new monarchy probably is responsible more for the upkeep of the civilians which makes sense again you know with Mm -hmm. the focus that they have whereas future war cult you know they're kind of they kind of are standoffish to begin with because they're so secretive and and that's that's kind of their thing. I don't know if necessarily the city being destroyed is really going to shake them from that particular tenet, because that that's kind of what they've always done. You know, they Lakshmi herself. We don't even know where she came from. Whereas Dead Orbit, it it it's kind of. I, I mean, I see Justin. I see totally where you're going with that. And Black Flag, I agree. It's 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 going to be really interesting to see how the factions respond. 
and you know what exactly happens to these great factions are they gonna are is this gonna shake it up so that we see other factions start rising which would be cool i think you know i don't i'm not looking at i'm not saying that there should be another faction war necessarily but we know that these factions kind of come and go in a political system that it is green what would i know you had something you wanted to toss in Mm, justin do you want to go first i know go right ahead the thing that i wanted to point out is that with and i know we're going to jump ahead a little bit with the idea of just destiny 2 we know on the farm at this point the only faction logos that are found on the farm are dead orbits that being said it makes sense for dead orbit to be there because they are they're used to spreading out. They're used to going out and doing outside of the box type things with new monarchy, not being there. New monarchies like blue was saying their focus is taking care of the city because you have all these people, all the refugees coming to the city, their focus is take care of the people in the city. So it's fairly likely in my head canon that new monarchy will actually kind of be not necessarily at the tower, but be closer to the city than the farm. Mm, I, and I kind of, I, I see, I do see what you're saying. I, I think um, I'm going to throw the game mechanics argument in there just a bit, not, not to mm-hmm. dodge the debate, but just because I don't know. It depends on if we get a second social space, right? Yeah. You know, Cause mm-hmm. I, I think if, if we were going to get another social space within a ruined city or something like that, yes, totally agree with you. Um, hundred percent. I agree that new monarchy would be in the city. If we're just talking game story, given game mechanics, I think that all the factions will eventually be on the farm. Um, I think the, the point that I would, I would go with is I do think that did orbit was already on the farm because again, yes, you're right. They kind of are the dispersed, you know, that's their, their big tenant. Um, they, they, they could have already had a shop set up. Right. And I think that the other thing is, is remembering is it and correct me here if I'm wrong, but I believe that they said that as we progress through the story uh, or through the game of Destiny 2, uh, people will come and go from the farm. So the Mm -hmm. other thing that we could see is as because remember, this is, you know, this is immediately following the the um, the incident, I guess, the fall or I, I hesitate to call it the collapse, but the fall of the city. Um, this is immediately following that. So you could also see an instance of as you progress through the campaign, depending on how dynamic of a, of a game world they want to build, you could actually see those other, those other factions show up, you know, in the farm because they are now, they are now coming to the farm because it is now a safe spot. Whereas before it was, it wasn't necessarily that it wasn't a safe spot. It was just no one really cared about it because it was not the mm. city. Dead Orbit, on the other hand, is like, yeah, we're, we're here because if something happens, oh, wait, something happened. And, yeah. you know, just you, makes sense. You know, this is complete game wish tangent. They have analytics on all this stuff, so I know it's possible. I don't know how feasible it is, but I would love it if the number of people yes um, yes with with a faction allegiance dictated which which factions oh banners flew in certain social spaces and i know it's oh possible my gosh. whether or not it's feasible from we, a you know opportunity cost standpoint would be 
amazing. Like, seriously, if you're really an dead orbit, you know, supporter and you can't stand to see that new monarchy flag fly in the farm, go out and do more public events. Exactly. (laughs) Or, or, you know, just make it to where you could do thing to you know each thing you do gives you a little bit you know do public events farm right. spin foil you know do you know yeah build your they, build your faction rep it, it play well, crucible and, right. and then that goes into the aggregate bin and then also does the number of people um pledging their allegiance because right. if they keep with the model of you can you can only rep one faction at a time if if that stays to be the norm, which I really like, um, as opposed to the class item mm-hmm. um, system, wherein you had to be like, oh, I'm trying to rep, you know, future world cult, and I don't have that cloak on this character, and I got to move it, and as opposed to nope, repping future world cult all week long, I picked it up, I've activated it, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Um, they could take all that data. And they can make it be more of that thing, like you know, it's it's the more prevalent faction is the one that shows up in the farm. Oh, but yeah. I really don't know if you had asked me before um, they revealed the farm, what would be you know the most likely spot for social space for Dead Orbit to be most prevalent in? I would not have said a farm. I would have said some sort of derelict spaceship. Out mm. in the far reaches of space, you know something kind of like the reef is picture. Uh-huh. No, they have a, a they farm. have a bad experience. They have bad experiences with derelict spaceships on the reef. They do, don't we have that card in the? That's the ghost fragment. That but anyways, that ghost was my fragment. wish list. That was my wish list. A uh, little kind of tangent. So green. Well, I know. You I, mean, had... I know. Mesa Sean actually talked about that on Guardian Radio. How wanted, and I, I agree. I think to have something like this where in patrol. If you could have essentially your your faction pull together and complete patrols, and then that ups the amount of faction points that you have, and have faction wars, another version of faction wars that is productive rather than counterproductive. I think it would be fun. I'd I'd be for that. I that that would be a way. That would be a way that um when the game did reach a lull. That the solo player, the person who's just still grinding Destiny because that's what they do, that would be a way that they could, you know, they've got all the weapons they want. They've got all the items, you know, that they really want. Um, What are they playing for? Right. Mm -hmm. By God, we're playing so I don't have to see the gray and black and white (laughs) fly anywhere. That's what I'm playing for. I'll be honest. it It would bring me back. I mean, that's the thing for me is like, you know, we've we've had this conversation a lot, you know, beyond fourth wall and, and conversations off air about my my feelings towards the PVE. And I think that this is this would be definitely something that would appease, you know, people who are more in my line of playing video games from a solo perspective for an RPG perspective. Mm-hmm. Um this would this would totally i mean this would open up the dynamic aspects of the game and really it would i mean especially if you put it on like a a, a weekly or a bi-monthly schedule you know yeah oh man you you bet i would be there grinding out you know the public events or just running patrols and you know because that's the thing is that's that's what patrols were always presented as 
was mm-hmm. you helping yes. you helping out the average the factions you helping them complete things that you know you were on the moon already well there's no civilians on the moon but you know what was it uh future was it future warhold or dead orbit i could never remember needed those helium coils mm-hmm. um you know they they're like oh hey you're up there can you get us some and you run around and you pick up the helium i mean that was that was always kind of the thing that was lying there behind the scenes was they were sending guardians out to do these things and to to bring these back, and then they would reward them with glimmer or you know build you with rep, and that's kind of the logic was that entire that entire process. So I, I think that'd that always, be amazing. It always bugged me a little bit that exactly what you were just saying that the patrols were these quests or these bounties essentially that all the different factions would put out there, but no matter what faction you repped no matter what you wore, with, whether it was New Monarchy or Dead Orbit or Future War Cult, you could do faction bount- or patrols for any of the factions. And you were helping mm-hmm. any of them. Oh, yeah, and be, I, think, I think so. I think, oh, go for it. Go I for think it. that's gaming mechanic mainly, just to be able to not have to... I mean, they could literally change who is getting what. Right. You could change like, the card or... But it's just like, okay, I kind there's of, a degree of that, but also the the way I kind of explained it in my my head canon was that the guardians belong ultimately to the vanguard, right? The guardians mm-hmm. are ultimately in the vanguard. That is that is their prime, if you want to call it a faction. It's not really a faction, but it kind of is. They belong to the vanguard. Now, within the guardian ranks, you have personal philosophies that differ, which is where you get the alliance to these per- these particular factions. But ultimately, remember what happened when Guardians just answered to factions. We had really bad instances of faction wars. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the kind of the thing that uh, we actually, you know, within the Age of Triumph, we learned that uh, Andal Brask actually kind of put a stop to was the the and and I kind of and again this is just the way my understanding of the political hierarchy is if you're a guardian you ultimately follow the the ruling of your mentor right mm-hmm. you have you know if Icora comes down and says you are not allowed to do this even if you know even if uh, Hideo or Jalal or Lakshmi are telling you hey we need you to do this you are you are kind of obligated to to follow the vanguard because as a guardian you are called to a higher purpose than just the political factions which also you see a lot of that in Shax's response to the factions because he hates them he views them as right. scum he doesn't you know he but at the same time if you if you look at what the crucible is doing the crucible is not just a a battleground physically it's actually a political battleground as well i mean that's part of the the quest for the different faction exotic items you're gaining rep in the crucible you you're for those particular factions which actually kind of goes to the point of these factions then have these these bragging rights of yeah we have this guardian behind us we have the strength of this guardian we have the strength of that guardian and so that's where that kind of political uh it, Red Rover match kind of deals. yeah the sponsorship it's, deals yeah so I mean there's there's that I I just in in my in my head I kind of see a guardian as 
because you also could turn down fat. You could turn down patrols really easily, mm-hmm. right? You could just say, oh, that's that's a that's a future war cult fat or future war cult patrol. I don't really like them. I'm not going to go help them do that. Or or oh, that is a future war cult thing, or that's a dead orbit thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna right. definitely make sure that I get that done at the cost of doing something for New Monarch. It was a long time before I realized that you turned them down. <laughs> right. Well, no, I, I mean, I, but I mean, but within within my kind of my my storytelling when I play, that's kind of how yeah. I have come to kind of come to terms with the the smorgasbord of options as far as patrols go because ultimately you are a guardian of the city you are not a right. you're not an enforcer of fill in faction you are a guardian well, of the city the, well the thing is you have to remember that the factions are not made up of guardians we are right. sponsored and we right. wear their banners but the actual factions themselves jalal and lakshmi and hideo are not guardians they don't have a ghost they're literally just humans or exos or awoken that happen to be leaders of this group that are not guardians. We are right. literally just sponsored sports and, stars, essentially. Right. And I would even make the point, too, that they're not even necessarily leaders. They are the representatives to the tower. They are the spokesperson to the tower. They're not necessarily the leaders of those particular factions. Which I actually would almost argue Jalal is. I well, would say Jalal's I, one of the higher ones within the the Eric. The I, and and that I was actually going to say that actually is a good segue into our next our next talking point um, was what is, what who are the Iraqs and what what are they you know what mm-hmm. what are they uh, Green Do you want me you want to grab the faction rep card? Sure. Dead orbit faction rep. Arak Jalal. Jalal is a man driven by the ghost of a dead future. Critics accuse Dead Orbit of nihilistic fatalism. And Jalal would be the first to agree that Earth is lost, the city is a fatal trap. The Iraqs have no time for sentiment. Only an alien miracle prevented human extinction during the collapse. Jalal dreams of a dis- diaspora to come. Humanity ascendant scattered across the stars too far flung for any single threat to reach jalal's utilitarian practicality drives him to bend laws and break rules in the name of dead orbit's great project when the ultimate goal is human survival any sacrifice can be justified so I mean, we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier with the nihilistic fatalism, and I I know you want to go into that a little bit more. Uh, do you want to jump into that real quick, or and talk about all the different terms in this card that may yeah. be? Um, so yeah, bear bear with me for a little bit because this is this is kind of an interesting connection to actually a number of different philosophers. Um, but primarily actually it connects to, uh, Nietzsche, Frederick Nietzsche. Um, but before that real quick, I wanted to kind of go back to a term that was used in this card and is actually the, 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 um, the idea or the name of the ghost shell, the diaspora. Um, diaspora is really honestly just a word that means the dispersion of any people from their original homeland. There is a specific 
instance of this, and that is the dispersion of the Jews beyond Israel. Um, and that, that is actually where that, that term originates. So, but okay. So that being said, I want to jump really quick into the connection with Nietzsche. A lot of people know Nietzsche as the kind of a, a, a surface knowledge of him as being the person who claims that God is dead. Um, the the problem with that is that in the same way that we oversimplify we oversimplify the factions that is a gross oversimplification of Nietzsche. Um, so if you and I'm gonna I'm gonna link uh, I think it's uh, I want to say it's Stanford that has this really good article on the philosopher or the philosophers and they have a really good one on Nietzsche, but. I'm just going to I'm going to link that in the show notes because anyone who actually wants to kind of look at this in a little bit more detail Nietzsche has a really good point and actually when you get into some of his uh some of his later kind of paradoxical pronouncements there is there's actually a degree of hope in in him it's just not the not the happy go lucky hope that a lot of people kind of think of um because the t- because in the context of his time, it was very common for the intellectuals of Europe to assume that ideas such as altruistic concern, guilt for wrongdoing, moral responsibility, um, compassion, demand for equal consideration, and so on, they, they, they kind of assumed that these ideas were just there. They just they were there. They, they didn't really need to go into detail. Um, now, they tried to do a rational grounding, kind of de- independent from that, but they didn't really stress on it. And Nietzsche kind of came in and was like, no, 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 we know this is this is you need to challenge this. Um, and so, you know, most philosophers assume that a secular vindication of morality would surely be kind of forthcoming and would and they, it's just there. So. Nietzsche actually found this as being extremely naive, uh, and so he basically dedicated all of his rhetorical strength to shocking readers out of complacency on this. And so that's where you get the idea of like the doubts about the viability of Christian underpinnings for a moral and a cultural life. Um, he's he doesn't he doesn't present them in this like like this sunny like presentation of hopefulness. Um, but he also doesn't really present a like um he doesn't really kind of take from a a sober perspective either he he basically just goes right for the throat in this this paradoxical pronouncement that god is dead um and he but at the same time he doesn't kind of he he's not saying that god it's not atheism um he di- he basically says this pronouncement arriving because he says that the belief in the Christian God has become unbelievable. Uh, and he goes on and says that everything that was that was built upon this faith, it was propped up by it, it was grown into it, including the whole of the European morality, is destined for collapse. Uh, Christianity no longer commands society-wide cultural allegiance as a framework grounding ethical commitments, and thus a common basis for collective life that was supposed to be immutable and vulnerable has turned out to not only be less stable than we assumed, but incomprehensible mortal. And it's, in fact, already lost. And so that's where Nietzsche kind of was like, okay, no. Everything that you've held to be this immutable fact that this is never going to go away, you cannot rely on that. You have to understand the the basic foundations of this. And to do that, I have to break 
like I have to shock you so badly that it makes you wake up. And it was kind of that slap across the face to wake people up. That was kind of his one of his primary points of a lot of his rhetoric. Um, and Green, I know you had a bit of. I, I kind of want to. I want to let you kind of weigh in on this too, because I know we kind of talked about this before the show. Um, so I, I wanted to give you a chance to kind of respond to that. I have I have a little bit more that I can go into after that, but. Did you uh, as did you far wanna... as the like the ideology and well as far as as far Nietzsche as the in general, yeah or... Nietzsche in general Nietzsche in general well and okay so Blue and I have very different backgrounds when it comes to philosophy Blue literally was a philosophy major right yeah and I actually went to a liberal art, private liberal arts college and my professor was a Quaker minister. So we had very, very little Nietzsche, but reading into Nietzsche, it is kind of the idea of he's going to jerk you around to make you think differently in mm-hmm. any which way he can. And that's just the whole point of Nietzsche in a lot of ways. It's just like, okay, really, 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 really want you to think outside the box because once you get stuck in a certain social structure or a mental structure or a religious structure, it's really hard to get out unless you shock yourself out of it, which is his whole point. Um, Dead Orbit and Nietzsche, the idea that Dead Orbit is nihilistic and fatalistic, it's 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 like what I was saying earlier. Yes, they have those tenets that seem very much so giving up on what is there. But if you look beyond the curtain of what the, the immediate idea of it is, you can see past and see that they're just breaking you out of the comfort zone of the city. They're breaking out of the comfort zone of your thought of this is where I've been. This is where I've always been. This is the place I'm going to always be break out of that just like Nietzsche broke it even if you have to do it kind of not nicely you can (laughs) move on into the idea that yeah we're gonna spread out and speaking of spreading out I know Justin and I have really been chatting quite a bit in discord because there's a huge connection and I know we're we're getting into it soon. So, is there anything that you want to talk about Nietzsche before we yeah, move on I, into the I next do, thing? I do. I do just have one final quote. Um, I and this is again from the Stanford article that I'll I'll link. But it's and I'll just read this and then I'm going to let you guys take over because I know the next point that you guys are going with and I I really like it as well. Um, so finally, the as far as defense for the reason why Nietzsche was doing what he was doing. Um, there's a quote that says, not only do standard moral commitments lack a foundation we thought they had, but stripped of their veneer of unquestionable authority, they prove to have been not just baseless, but positively harmful. Unfortunately, the moralization of our lives has insidiously attached itself to genuine psychological needs, some basic to our condition, others cultivated by the conditions of life under morality. So its corrosive effects cannot simply be removed without further psychological damage. Still worse, the damaging side of morality has implanted itself within us in the form of a genuine self-understanding, making it hard for us to imagine ourselves living any other way. 
Thus, Nietzsche argues, we are faced with a difficult, long-term restoration project in which the most cherished aspects of our way of life must be ruthlessly investigated, dismantled, and then reconstructed in healthier form, all while we continue somehow to sail the ship of our common ethical life on the high seas. And that's the end of the quote. Mm. And if you think about that, that is kind of, and to kind of bring that back into line with the dead orbit, you know, thing here, that is kind of what they are also kind of challenging you on is they're saying you, you are existing in a city that is protected by an alien miracle. You cannot rely on that alien miracle to be there at all times, especially in the dire need. So you need to build, you need to break out of that sense of, you know, and it kind of nodding to the Maslow hierarchy of needs, which we've talked about as well before. It's Even more than that. Well, I mean, but this it's, is like it's simple, more like simplification. The of age. Right, right. It's the coming I mean, of age problem. Right, but I mean, you see, you see a very, very blatant um, nod towards Maslow's hierarchy in the the beginning of Destiny Two, when it's like, hey, yeah, you had a city that was protecting you, you know, your, your biggest concern was, you know, Oh, I hit my glimmer cap. I don't have an, you know, whatever. And now, now good luck finding a place to sleep because we took it all away. We stripped you down to the foundations of your, and the thing that dead orbit is saying is you need to prepare for that because if you don't prepare for that and it happens, that is even more, and that's that's the argument is the fact that you weren't prepared for it is an even bigger shock than if you were prepared for it. It's it's this, the argument of the Armageddon preps, you know, like the people who are obsessed mm-hmm. with the end of days. Those people, if the end of days ever happens, you know, if if Armageddon ever happens and these these people, if the if the zombie outbreak ever happens, these people are going to be. I, not necessarily at the top of the mountain shouting, I told you so, because I'll probably be in a bunker somewhere, you know, mm-hmm. with all their stuff. But I told you so. <laughs> but I mean, you know, I mean, that's it's kind of the same thing. We kind of make fun of those people because they're there's the they're the these, you know, these crazy people who are preparing for the end of days. But at the time that the end of days actually happens, those are the people who are going to know what to do. Yeah. And. And I feel really lucky because I live in Texas, and right, we're right. All you're, surra- you're surrounded by those people. We're all those people, so like we're literally like, oh my gosh, guys, there's a zombie, and it'll it'll be a race to see how. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> we could shoot somebody finally. <laughs> you but know, yeah. okay. Before we move on from that, I want to, and this is something that's not in the show notes because your I your description of how dead orbit reacts to the city coming down it's it reminds me of the the journey from a a youth becoming a man you're protected by your mother and father Mm -hmm. all through your youth and then how do you become a man even in like tribal societies they put you through a trial great trials where you don't get mama you don't get dad you're face to face with a god essentially in a lot of tribal societies right and you have to if you don't follow the rules if you don't follow the stuff that's set up ahead of you that's been planned by the society that you are supposed to be becoming a man into you're going to be taken away and possibly killed it's just it's this growing up we are growing up from being a protective little group that stays in the city 
and being forced to go and stretch our legs a little bit more. Yeah. And so Justin, I know whole, you have, yeah, I was about to say. Yeah. The, the whole Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I think it's the, it's actually illustrated in the little cinematic you got. If you played the D2 beta, um, no matter what, I, I think this is right. It's hard for me to remember. No matter what character you played, um, each homecoming mission started the same. You were flying a ship coming back to the city and your ghost literally told you, Hey, you remember when I told you to, that you fly too fast? Well, fly fast now. Like, like it's literally, remember when I, I still was griping at you for, you know, breaking a minor safety type, you know, (laughs) forget that, forget that and fly fast now because we've got to get home. So it's, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely it's definitely that. Um, well, I know uh, you guys, are you all done with with Nietzsche? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was about to say I'm I'm all done. I know you guys had a um. I, I know you wanted to talk about the Iraqs. I believe is the part that you wanted to talk about. Yeah, yeah. I'm you the king of Iraq. There is none. Haya Saka MCs call me Saya. Sorry. Wait, no, let's run DMC. Um, that was pretty darn good. I'm impressed with uh, you all that. Yeah. Uh, no. So Gr- Green and I were kind of chatting back and forth. And um, the parallels with the Hebrew people just keep stacking up here. Um, Iraq is actually um, has an, an Old Testament Hebrew meaning. And, and it kind of, you know, did, when you ever, whenever you look up the meanings of ancient languages they you can find a bunch of them so it's it's all about just finding the one that speaks to you sometimes um if you're in the business of drawing tenuous connections like <laughs> i am um <laughs> but yeah so Iraq, as it's phonetically pronounced um can mean to wander journey or go or keep company with um uh, to journey or go, but the wonder, the one that I, I really like is uh, wandering or wanderer. Um, so or when traveler. you think of the, yeah, yeah, exactly. Traveler at the end. You got to love that. But um, you've got to think that the Iraq of the dead orbit um, is, is um, the chief wanderer. He's like, you know, he's, He's the uh, the leader of the, you know. Well, here's the, the ca- beautiful thing: the caravan. The we have a list of the various Iraqs. There's actually multiple because mm-hmm. we have them show up in a lot of bounties and items and missions type cards. We have Iraq Linda, Iraq Henri, if you say it like a Frenchman. Iraq Modesta, Iraq Parnell, and Iraq Jalal. And if you look at Hebrew societal structure, like ancient Hebrew societal structure, it's like, yay, my my little Christian private school thing's coming in handy now. Um, the, the history of the Hebrew people is they have very familiar head of governing bodies. The heads of all the families are the ones who are in charge. And in some ways, this could very well be similar 
there's no king. There's no one person to be in charge of everything. It is a group setting. It is a small panel of people. And they all have very, very different views. I can, yeah, the, just the idea that Dead Orbit is similar to the Hebrew people who are forced out and who also want to go out and wonder. It makes me wonder if they're going to to bring them all back together at some point or if they're going to have a section where they can come back together. What do you think, Justin? Um, so I also want to say, remember Arach as being wanderer or wandering or traveler, right? Um, the name Jalal is actually a Muslim name. Uh, and it means grandeur, glory, or faith. So when you put that together and you think of it being, he is Arak Jalal, which is wandering glory or wandering faith, that that can really bring some subtext to his cause. You know what I mean? That that is his name. It's he is literally named to be the light in the darkness, the, the wandering hope, if you will, um, for, you know, his, his faithful. I just thought that was really cool. Like all the, and then when you go back to the term used in the, in the last card, diaspora, um, as being, you know, the scattering of a people. And then, so, so you're, you're dealing with just a wandering people. Um, and, and the fact that they, I, they're not a ideology. They, they're based off of a theology. There's mm-hmm. kind of a religion to they dead view, orbit. They view their god as dead, though. They, yeah. yeah. Do they view the? I mean, is well, the they. I mean, their, yeah. Their I mean, there's. The I don't know that I the mean, traveler is their god. Though. Right. Right. I mean, what I, I mean think there their is god that is they hope. View, right. Well, and that's a fair point. But the thing is, that some of them don't necessarily have hope. So uh, Arak Henri, or Henry, he says, at least we know we tried. I mean, that doesn't sound terribly hopeful, quite honestly. Some of the different well, ones don't. Right, but then you have, hopeful. but then you have, what is it, Lin- Linda, Lindy, whatever, Lind. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I love this. We're not fatalists, we're optimists. We believe life exists beyond this dead orbit. Mm-hmm. And then there's, uh, was it, no, it was Parnell. Yeah. And I think this is from the heliopause. The once deep space explorers were seen as heroes. Now for just suggesting humanity should look beyond the system. Some call us cowards. Right. It's just the matter of perspective and they don't have somebody who can actually so, sell their idea very well. I think we throw the, the term fatalist around very readily. Um, if, if I am am realistic, okay, and and I acknowledge the fact that I won't live forever, am I a fatalist? Because I believe I believe that this road for me ends in death. I'm not a fatalist. I'm just in touch with reality. I'm an optimist. I I believe that all good things in life can come to me, but I'm cognizant of the fact that I'm mortal and that you know, eventually this ends. Right. right. I mean, it's the, right, but, but okay. That's, the, that's kind of like a muddy kind of, right. But here's the thing is like, there. I think, I think so. So there's a difference. Just, just kind of backing up a little bit. 
there's a difference between fatalism and then there's a difference between what I think you're talking about, which is realism, you know, like, because fatalism is more of the idea of the big picture, like everything kind of just comes to an end and there is no meaning. There is no, there is no, you know, there's, which is where the nihilism comes in as well, because if you add in nihilism, then it's really depressing. But well, nihilism is everything's going to go wrong. No, well, ni- no, is- nihilism, nihilism is that the life is meaningless. That there's nothing real. Okay, fatalism I got you. Is handbag? My my yeah. uh, my understanding of, of nihilism is like chiefly from the movie *The Big Lebowski*. So. Yeah, so um, so nihilism is basically uh, <laughs> going back. The philosophical belief belief of nihilism is extreme skepticism, maintaining that nothing in the world has real existence. So nothing is real. Pessimism is the one that everything is going to go wrong. That's pessimism. Um, and then fatalism is just you know it's inevitable that all events are pre- predetermined and therefore inevitable. Um, but what I really wanted to kind of go back to also, you're talking about, you know, the idea of them being a fatalist. That's where their entire con. And this is, I, I just said, I wasn't going to bring this up, but that's where the entire concept of the endling comes in. And you want to talk about a creepy concept, the endling, which is the last living human. And this is something that haunts the Iraqs. Uh, Iraq Jalal says that he's a haunted mm-hmm. by the endling, the last living human. That's the, you know, the age old, uh, Write, write the scariest story in two sentences. The last man on earth sits down in a chair and he hears a knock on the door. You know, mm-hmm. that's <laughs> right. But I mean, you know, like that's that's the idea is that you you have there is a point at which things end. Everything ends. Everyone dies. That is inevitable unless you're a guardian, which arguably you can still die then, too. But everything there there is a natural beginning and a natural end that's just the structure of life that is a realistic approach fatalism comes in by saying the things that happen are inevitable like you don't have a choice yeah. there is no there is no which is kind of a destined end there is a fate there is a structure of no free will within a fatalism um that's where you so, kind of you kind of are drawn to that that and that's dead where you kind of no, go for it go for it it's like dead orbit is literally the the antithesis of the concept of destiny yeah I mean, what no um, well we broke not, her in not, hope is not what... not not necessarily like the, the idea that our not the game destiny but our idea of predeterminism dead of uh, uh Dead orbit is a struggle against that because they're saying that they are trying to put off the destruction of humanity. They're trying to put off the dependence on another. Correct. They're, they are trying to make self-reliance the important piece. Right. Cause uh, Jalal says, here's the secret we've already lost. Now we see who f- lives to fight again. And I don't think when he says we've already lost means that they lost because of the traveler. 
going down. I mean, I think he means we're lost because we became dependent on the traveler. Yeah. And then you also have their armor. So this kind of ties into, you know, uh, one of their sets of armor is called the fate killer. They have a fate killer armor set. Like there's, there's a point at which there's an inling armor set. Yes. Oh, the inling armor set is God. Just the entire concept of the inling is really kind of creepy. Um, Yeah. You know, and then they're, they're, which kind of actually brings me into, uh, real quick into the shaders um, because I know a lot of people kind of like the black and white motif that dead orbit has right Um, Mm -hmm. two of the shaders I was actually able to find some pretty cool little trivia facts on the there are two that I have I I have theories on but I had nothing that I could find necessarily Um, so those were the first ones let's run through the two that I don't know what's going on with them bitter steel I got nothing I, I I looked for a while, and the only thing I could find is apparently there's something in this like this this big thing called Game of Thrones. There's apparently a character that has bitter steel in his name. That's it. And I'm thinking of like an invective from like a uh, from an old school pirate movie, like "Taste my bitter steel." Yeah, and there's yeah, and that's kind of what I was going for too. I was like bitter steel, like literally, it's bitter steel. Um, I don't know that that's all I got the nowhere. Um, I swear that that is a term for the afterlife that I've heard in mythology, but I could not find it. Um, <laughs> so, so I, wouldn't, I don't have anything on that one. Wouldn't the nowhere be the, like the in between. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of like the, the veil. upside down. Nope. Nope. We're not going there. No. Um, Actually, the upside down. Actually, it would not be the upside down. It would be the veil through which you have to pass to get to the. Actually, upside down. do you know what what I think of as the nowhere? Do you, did you read uh, the Heinlein book? Uh, dang it! Now, uh, oh, stranger in a strange land. Yes. Basically, when he started to like realize his powers, Martian friend. Um, he could turn people 90 degrees from everywhere. Okay. That was the nowhere to me. Like that's, uh, that's okay. literally what is 90 degrees from every possible vector and direction. <laughs> nowhere. nowhere. <laughs> Fair enough. You win that one. Uh, yes. Okay. So then, then comes the next one, which is Revenant, which I think a lot, I think that's the, if I remember right, Revenant's the solid black one, um, or well, close to solid black one. It's not super black. Uh, Revenant is it's basically like brownie black. Yeah, it's a wait. But anyways, Revenant is actually this is actually a mythological entity, um, and it is actually very similar to vampires. They are believed to be uh, usually something that requires the sustenance of blood or life force in the same capacity as a vampire but they're not quite as elegant um a revenant is literally a person who has returned especially supposedly from the dead they were typically viewed as wrongdoers in life that were brought back to haunt the living and was were often associated with spreading of disease and fun fun little trivia fact general means of removal were exhuming the body a form of decapitation and then burning and removing the heart so it was not a very happy happy thing um that brings me to the happy one which is the hanged man this is actually a tarot card and 
the kind of the interesting thing about this is that it's often seen as a it when you look at it it's seen as a punishment right but it, the tarot it card depends is on how, it depends on how it's turned right there well there's that but the tarot card is generally meant to represent self-sacrifice um and in some cultures or uh, mostly the norse cultures it's also a representation of odin who hung himself to gain knowledge who actually sacrificed himself to gain something so the hangman is it it's perceived and actually within the catholic faith and the christian faith uh saint peter was believed to be shown he was he was crucified upside down um and so there's also representations within some of the tarot cards after that period that were him on the cross upside down that being said those are the shaders um and then i know as far as going pulling back to um oh yes green also there is a there are a few portrayals of the hangman as being Judas. Uh, there is a there is a portrayal of them having a bag of silver coins, and that mm-hmm. is that is the that is the not good version. That's of the a cards. creepy one. Yeah, that's, that's a very, very creepy one. Very creepy ones. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of the the connection between the shaders and the the idea of this this not necessarily. They're not necessarily happy, but they're not necessarily all like super depressed. Like they're not. Yeah, so it's, it's got a lot of depth to it. I know you guys also wanted, did you guys have anything else on the Iraqs? Did we want to talk about the unknown Iraq? Uh, we, His name we was can. Dwayne Johnson, right? Oh, dear Lord. Uh, <laughs> yikes. Go ahead. Uh, so He's we a national have- treasure reference oh i'm not gonna comment on that um (laughs) there's a reference to another iraq in ghost fragment dead orbit which we kind of talked about a tiny bit earlier because it has to do with the derelict ship that we talked about and he's the one who is the last of the crew of the sophia and Makes me wonder that the Iraqs were originally the family heads, kind of how that idea we were talking about the Hebrew structure, the heads of these little groups that went out to seed and colonize. Maybe there were different Iraqs on some of the different colony ships. Now, I don't know if there probably wasn't dead orbit before the collapse, but ships that went out afterwards to possibly colonize. Anyway, this is that sad story where he's kind of gone crazy and hasn't slept in seven days and they're in the asteroid belt and they're losing power and there's and lots the of And the Awoken are teasing them. Because the Awoken are not necessarily nice. They're like cats with the plaything. I mean, yeah, it's just not a, it's not a happy story, but we don't know the name of this Iraq or what their function was besides just they part were, of the crew. They were scavengers that were there on behalf of the fleet. Mm-hmm. Of dead orbit people, which apparently they did not have the correct technicians on this fleet ship. No, they did not have superb technicians on this ship. That is, they that all is stayed a, in the city. That is a very good point. They did not. 
<laughs> they didn't have pins. <laughs> they didn't have pins no. with them. No. Pour one out for pins. <laughs> no, pour uh, one out for the crew of the Sophia. I am ready, and this is the section I've been excited about the entire episode. Here she goes. Here she goes. Everyone, mm-hmm. hold on. There has been theories put out on Reddit that aren't great, but it's still a fun thought thought uh, experiment to play that Dead Orbit actually sabotaged us for D2. That they did not report correctly to Zavala about the Cabal's presence or that they were just negligent. Now, I don't necessarily think that's the case, but you never know. It's a fun thought process to get yourself into. Be careful who you're accusing of things. I'm not, I'm not accusing. I didn't say (laughs) I'm accusing. It's just a fun thought game. You know, to think that, Hey, maybe this dead orbit guy over here, maybe he's he's not so good after all. Now, um, there's a couple of instances where Dead Orbit has been the ones watching the Cabal. Uh, in Skyburner's card, they talk about Dead Orbit assures the city that the Skyburner fleet poses no immediate threat to the city. And there's a couple other instances with uh, talk to Jalal and meet with Dead Orbit and another talk to Jalal where they talk about the remaining cabal forces and our system have been severely weakened. Dead orbit. Let's see here. Where is it at? Um, the last one is, oh, so that's the two cabal ones. And then there's one where it says meet with dead orbit. Dead orbit's up to something. I don't know what they're planning, but their agents are fond of pulling guardians aside, whispering to any who will listen. They want nothing to do with the traveler. And if it were up to them, nothing to do with the tower. And then the last one, a rock Jalal dead orbit communications have spiked 50% since you joined up. I'm not sure what they're planning, but they filed a number of interesting requests with Savala's office, whatever they're looking to do. It's big. So these are super like not conclusive evidence whatsoever, but one at this time could make a fairly open-ended argument on they possibly knew something was coming and didn't report it. What? Just saying. Just saying. What? To give, give themselves a head start because just to give from my experience, a head start. <laughs> because from my experiences dealing with predators, you don't have to be the fastest. You just have to not be the slowest. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's evil. That's not evil. That's survivalism. Oh, man. I'm not saying I'll push you down to make you the slowest. But I'm not going to help you out. I'm just, I'm middle of the pack is where I am because I don't know what's around the corner. And I don't want to, like, because whatever catches you is going to stop to eat you. And then I'll have more time. Yeah. <laughs> but you also don't pack. you also don't want to run into something <laughs> because you're in the Life front. is unfair. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh man. Theme song for D2. Yeah. <laughs> you're not the boss of me now. <laughs> <laughs>
hilarious if that was if they did like a Borderlands intro. Oh with that my song god! Playing. <laughs> oh god! Did you guys? Did you guys see? Did you see the uh, the dub over with? Um, oh god! What was that song? They did a dub over of the intro with like this happy. So it was totally like a border Borderlands intro. I'll have to find oh, it. Wow. I'll link it to you guys. But yes, it, it was exactly like that, Justin. You would you would absolutely love it. <laughs> um, do, do you guys want to jump to dispatches? Yes, let's do that. All right. <laughs> Dispatches from the wilds. All right. Well, we got we got a couple dispatches, and Justin, in true fashion, I will let you read the the next one from Mister Mister Infested Potato. Um, but real quick, from Taylor B, we had a question. Actually, we had a, I think a couple questions in here. He says, "I wanted to ask your thoughts on whether Guardians within Dead Orbit, like Iraq Jalal, intend to, or perhaps before the events of D two, intended to potentially give up their connection to the Traveler as they spread out in the galaxy. Like, say, if their faction convinced mankind to leave, would Dead Orbit be prepared to lose that advantage in protecting the spread thin groups of mankind?" Um, first, first response is. We we kind of talked about this a little bit. Jalal, I don't think I'm, I'm almost 100 percent sure Jalal is not a guardian. Um, like I'm 98 percent sure that he is not a guardian. That being said, I am open to being proven wrong on that one. But I don't, I don't know. I I really honestly don't know. I think this kind of goes back into the conversation we were having earlier about the the true hierarchical nature of the factions and what they're what they're really concerned with um i think that dead orbit is opportunistic in regards to using the resources that they have available to them um so they are using the guardians because the guardians are present if they went beyond the heliopause or went beyond the what is it the the Saturn is it Saturn or Jupiter that the light doesn't go beyond? Do we remember? It's beyond the nine is one of the quotes. Well, that would be the Jovians or Jupiter. The Ju- so. mm-hmm. Jupiter. Okay, so if they went beyond that, technically, uh, are there's an there's there could be an argument being made that the Guardians would it would no longer have the no longer have connection to the 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 cell service that they need. Um, they would not be able to hear the traveler. And so I don't know. I, I don't know. I, that's a really good, um, I don't know. What do you guys think on that one? I think that kind of tagging off of yours a little bit, I think dead orbit is literally, I don't think they're planning on taking guardians. Okay. I, that's kind of, that's think- kind of my thought as well. I just don't, I mean, they would, I don't think they would turn down guardians. But I think they're well, planning on not having them. I think because if I mean, think of the 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 Sophia card that we just went through. They found the ghost on a let's see here. They found them not on the ship their ship. Yeah, they found it on um the so or on the uh, was it the Sophia? They found it on no. It was it was uh, their sorry. part of the Sophia. It's they found uh, eight no. God, what was the acronym? A A one one three. Yeah, they jumped to ship A one one three. So, 
they they didn't have any guardians with them that we know of because if they did they probably would have been able to record a little bit more than just hey wake up little guy kind of thing mm-hmm. you're the last person i've or the last thing i can talk to at this point because we're all dead and i don't think dead orbit really has any of any of the interest of the guardians in particular in mind humanity yes they want to spread out i think they are all for making sure nobody can get to them but i don't think that they're taking into account guardians maybe guardians are willing to give up their light for it maybe they've already experimented with that we don't know but i don't think they're planning necessarily on having the the guardians with them because they yeah. haven't really had them with them thus far. Yeah, and Hiko, I mean, Hiko's kind of saying what I'm thinking. We're kind of tied. Guardians are tied to the Traveler. By default, if they leave the Traveler, they're kind of going to have to abandon mm-hmm. us. Um, mm-hmm. Also, side note on the, uh, on, the, on the trivia side, A113 is an inside joke. Uh, it's actually an Easter egg in media that was created by alumni of the California Institute of the Arts. You see this a lot in Disney Pixar movies, mm-hmm. um, but it was actually it was it's a ref- reference to the class or well the the inside joke is it's a reference to the classroom used by graphic design and character animation students at the California or the I guess the California Institute of the Arts that includes uh, John Lasseter and Brad Bird. So there, there's there's just like a little a a one one three is kind of a an Easter egg joke. Within a lot of yeah. different medias. That's like, uh, there's a bunch of Pixar movies that have that in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's, yeah, there's a very large amount of Pixar, Pixar and Disney. It's pretty much, pretty mm-hmm. much anyone. I think, I, I don't know if it's a nod from the, from the alumni or if it's a nod to the alumni, but basically it's, it's the, it's the classroom that was used by those, those students. Oh, Hiko, Hiko is correcting me. I think every Pixar movie does have a nod to it. Nice. But yes, that was that was my trivia contribution on the depressing story of the crew of the Sophia. Yeah. <laughs> There's it's a really um, sad card. So the I mean in in response to Taylor B's assessment of the the events at the beginning of D2 I don't think they'd bat an eyelash at dropping everything and running. Um, I don't think that the kind of, and not that he implied this, but the implications that dead orbit, dead orbit, dead orbit, <laughs> dead like orbit, chiclet. dead <laughs> orbit. Um, I don't think the dead orbit. Con- pew, pew, choo, choo. Just for you, Justin. Just for you, Justin. Um, So I don't think the dead orbit is um, is complicit in the events of the D2 opening, but I do think that they are not deterred by it like some of the other factions will be. I know dead or I mean, I'm not dead orbit. New Monarchy will probably have their, you know, their their tenets and their, their, their whole foundations will be rocked to the core. 
Future War Cult, they'll kind of be like, meh. <laughs> what we do. So like we told you it was coming yeah like, oh you want to use our armory you. now <laughs> yeah sorry gary Blue. sorry yeah and also if i don't get a sunshot during the first mission i'm gonna ask for a refund <laughs> um, that was a fun gun yes it was no um yeah so i mean that's a, that's a good take on it do you want to move to potatoes yes mm-hmm. to potatoes um, you know, golden, golden prose here. Um, so the title of this one from our good friend Infested Potato, who, if you didn't listen to our extra lore episode yet, check it out. It's about the lore of um, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Yes, um, with our good friend Infested Potato, who also wrote this wonderful write up on. Um, Dead Orbit, and it's called Beyond Soul's Edge. Our worlds are a graveyard, but most live in ignorance, snuggling up to the tombstones, hopeful but blind. Our golden age is dead, dead like the traveler. Let them boast, rest in peace. Humanity should not die in her cradle, but like a scared child we remain. Look beyond soul's light. There is where we will survive. That is where we will thrive. Beyond the care of the traveler. Our star may burn bright for millions of years still, but life as we've known will not. Leave behind these cold dead worlds. Let them spin forever alone and abandoned while we go far beyond where anyone has ever dared. Gather anything and everything. We will need them for the long journey ahead. Our new life, our new lives start beyond the edge. Don't be afraid. Sorry, butchering that like I did. Reading is hard. Reading and words is hard. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but that's really good. That's really good. I love that our new lives start beyond the edge. Don't be afraid. That That is the dead orbit um, equivalent of it gets better. <laughs> no, it's the dead. Yeah, that's exactly what I was just about to say. <laughs> that's the equivalent of grow a pair. Yes. Yes. All right. So you guys got what are what are your shout outs this week, Green? Uh normal book club starship troopers fun stuff talking about military people talking about heinlein justin's even in chat so if you want to see a rare justin come jump in there it's a very very rare thing to have him but i think it's i think it's i think it's particularly because of the subject yeah i was so loud that night yeah, no, honey, you're loud every night. We just- that that we just- was a cell phone night, by the way. Like that's Im- it's impressive how loud you can get sometimes. I project. Yes, you do. You have good pair of lungs, honey. It's like James Earl Jones, Justin, Elvis Presley. That's I. Project. Anyways, what's 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 your other shout out sure. screen? <laughs> <laughs> let's just let's just move on. Just move on. 
Totes my goats. shout out <laughs> is actually to Infested Potato for joining us on Wednesday because we kind of we we tag teamed that we tag teamed that game up because we we played that game. So he, I, I mean, we're still Justin and I are still looking for that game. Yeah, I've been on Xbox One Marketplace. You know, ever since that podcast, the can't PlayStation find I don't is think it weird. Exists. It feels very, very weird. Weird, like the controller. Is, it's weird. <laughs> it's weird, dude. We are. It's so light. It's so light and just crazy. Like, the, 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 the thumbsticks are in weird places, and it's so weird. It's just I don't like how it feels, but the and game is so pretty. It's powered by the devil. <laughs> no. <laughs> The gunslinger will take care of that. It's all fine. It's all fine. Gumslinger. No. <laughs> Justin, what are your shouts? This episode brought to you by Fruit Strike Gum. <laughs> by the grace of the gumslinger, we will all be, hey, be saved. Hey, I come back just for that comment. I was going to go take a <laughs> And I come back for that comment because this is oh boy, Pucky. Yeah. Okay. I I keyed. I keyed. My shout outs are to the Gumslinger, through whom all things are possible, um, and also. <laughs> uh, <laughs> She can't even leave chat. <laughs> I'm sorry. Excuse me. Um, yes. <laughs> um, also, big shout out to Infested Potato for for dragging Blue and I through through the weeds that is Horizon Zero Dawn. Seriously, if there's one game, and I've I've said this a couple times, and I really do mean it. If there's one game that can make me buy a PlayStation, it's probably that one. I can't think of another one that really piques my fancy that I can't get at on Xbox. So um, definitely check that episode out if you're into that lore. And um, also just um, big shout out to the live chat. I don't think I've done that enough here lately. You guys are freaking awesome. Uh, keep the dispatches rolling. Taylor B. Infested Potato. All the awesome people who send those in. And um, also... Big shout out for the hundredth episode giveaway. Definitely check that out. Blue has more on that. How you get access to that, and also more importantly, what it is. Mm-hmm. Well, first off, really big again. Thank you for all the people who have sent in dispatches. We really appreciate them. Um, if you guys want, we take those through email. Uh, if you want to email or message me on Discord. I will. That's one way. And then also we are starting to do that over on Twitter. If you use hashtag ask FFC, uh, we will follow. We follow that and try to try to collect all those before the shows each week. Um, big shout out to this week's subs, subscri- subscribers or patrons, uh, Dolan128 and Black Flag ctg we really appreciate your guys' support um if you are at all interested in joining that group uh just let us know we'll we'll be more than happy to point you in the right direction of that um and then yes we are doing the episode 100 giveaway it is going to be a copy a digital copy of destiny 2 
or a or a gift card for the console of your choice, which does include. I'm imagining it'll probably be Steam, but uh, it will be a PC. We'll we'll make sure to get you that as well. All we're asking is your entry will be a review over on iTunes. And when you do that, just be sure to include your Discord username so that I can get a hold of you if you win. And then hashtag uh, FFCD2. Uh, And what we're going to be doing on there is I'm going to just be kind of collecting those throughout up until the episode 100. Um, We are asking that we get those in. I think it's September 4th. I have it all written on the website. But... um. We are asking that they get turned in by September 4th because um, iTunes kind of takes a while to show those up. Um, If it gets close to that time and you submit it uh, and you want to go ahead and just send me a screenshot of it so that I make sure to get your name into the list, please feel free to do that. I'm, you know, on Discord. That's the easiest way. But um, yeah. That's that's really the entry. And then what we're going to do is we're going to compile a list, run a random number generator, and then, bam, we're, we'll, we'll announce the winner on episode 100, which will be September 8th, two days after Destiny 2 launches. So we're really looking forward to that as well. And, yeah, and just real quick... Um, we we do the shout the shout outs and the big thank yous to the subscribers um, over on Twitch and then the patrons through the Podbean crowdfunding simply because those funds really help us make sure that everything can continue to get better. That's where that kind of helps us do that as well. So really appreciate that. And like I said, um, if you guys have any questions on that please let us know. We're more than happy to answer any of your questions either through email or through uh, Discord, private messages, or even a DM over on Twitter. But, yep. You guys good for an outro at this point? Do it. Yes. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for a live streaming of the episode each week, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. Links to all our other sites can also be found with our episode archives over on the new and improved www.focusfirechat.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any feedback or questions for our team concerning the podcast. And please, please, please let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback on iTunes as well. Also, make sure to check out our partner podcast within the Guardian Radio Network over on theguardiansofdestiny.com. So, until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright. <laughs>